Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back for episode three of the Bad Podcast. I'm the D, Doug Maurice. He's the B, Bill Landis. Say hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. And he's the A, Ari Wasserman. We are the Ohio State coverage team for Cleveland.com and the Northeast Ohio Media Group. Thank you for checking in again. Bill uh, got technological and <laughs> spread the podcast out into the uh, the interwebs, and so maybe there are more people listening now. Maybe, yeah. We have a SoundCloud page now. If you search... Uh... Search bad Ohio State podcast on SoundCloud and you'll find a good Ohio State podcast, I guess. So, yeah, we're trying to expand a little bit, maybe take over the internet and uh, jump in on some of that EDM action that Ari's been getting into on SoundCloud. Yep. I'm very, ex- <laughs> I'm very excited about the idea that people could, could search bad Ohio State coverage and find us. Yeah. I think that is, that is very appropriate. Um, Ari, I don't know if Ari's comfortable with this. I wanted to start talking about pants. Early in the podcast here again, and I think Ari thinks we've talked about pants too much already. No, I just you... don't think you get. I don't think you get why I wore gym shorts to a meeting with the CEO of our company. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is not. This is the the jeans versus sweatpants yeah. discussion, which I think is a valuable discussion for much of our audience because I think our audience wears pants. You guys wear pants, right? I'm I'm wearing pants currently, yeah. So the idea is, like, Ari, how many pairs of jeans do you own? Like three. And how many pairs of sweatpants do you own? Like 12. (laughs) All right, what's your (laughs) jeans to sweatpants breakdown, Bill? You know, I might be a bad person to ask because I don't wear sweatpants a lot. I, like, wear jeans when I have to, and then if it's not jeans, I'm wearing basketball shorts. Okay, because I have like six pairs of jeans and maybe like one pair of sweatpants. I have like a reserve pair of sweatpants that like if it gets really, I, I don't like, I like being cold, if that makes sense. So okay. like in the winter when it's really cold outside and normal people would be wearing sweatpants, I'm wearing basketball shorts. You're like one of those guys, those football coaches they show, those high school football coaches who are wearing like shorts on the sidelines in yeah, December I'm, when it's Yeah, I'm snowing. the guy who eats a dilly bar on the sideline when it's <laughs> negative 20 and snowing. I mean, I open my windows in the winter. Like, I mean, I, I understand that idea of wanting to be cold but like i think you can accomplish that feeling while wearing sweatpants and i think that sweatpants especially now the joggers form where they kind of scrunch around your ankle you can wear tennis shoes and they're just like the most comfortable thing to wear in the winter so why so you but your claim is and and what we want to get to is why is the default appropriate casual wear of pants in american society jeans and not sweatpants, when sweatpants are clearly more comfortable. And it's not like jeans are fancy. Like I'm, but, you, but if you wore jeans 
to if you wore jeans on a date right a nice pair of jeans that would be completely normal right could you wear sweatpants on a date or how would your date look at you you can't wear sweatpants yeah no you can't you know you you know it's just that's the way it is that's our our society had two choices be comfortable or be uncomfortable and somewhere around that messed up road we took the wrong left <laughs> and we we found ourselves in a world where jeans is the appropriate attire out in public when really everybody on the planet I'm going to a wedding this weekend and I have to wear a suit and I'm excited for the wedding and I'm going with my best friends it's going to be a blast all the people I care about in the world are going to be there and I can't stop thinking about how uncomfortable I'm going to be all day because I've got to wear a necktie around my neck and like fitted pants. I want to wear sweatpants and a T, you know, or throw a V on there. And it's not like it's not like suit pants are that good looking. We come to Ari's apartment to record this podcast because it's the quietest place we can find. But uh, someone just came in to change Ari's cable box, I think. This guy went to the wrong apartment. Are you okay? Did we almost get broken into there? There was a pretty aggressive person at the door, and it ended up being the the cable guy who was supposed to go to 315, not a second floor That was almost an incident there. So there was like, I was like, I'm actually nervous. You handled that well. I did, yeah, because I looked at him like a dog does when he's confused, where you (laughs) tilt your head and go, like, what is it that you need here, sir? (laughs) Okay, so I just want to read briefly before we get to talking about football, from the Wikipedia entry on uh, jeans, which were invented in 1871, but they were originally designed to be worn by by miners and cowboys. And then if you go to the Wikipedia entry on sweatpants, which just has like the greatest photo of three dudes in sweatpants at the top of it. God, Wikipedia is just the greatest invention. Go, if you have access and you can go to Wikipedia and look up sweatpants right now, and please look at the photo of three boys wearing gray sweatpants, they've got to be in Norway. <laughs> that is an unbelievable photo. I'll make this my Twitter avatar if, for people who haven't seen it. Sweatpants are a casual variety of soft trousers intended for comfort or athletic purposes, although they are now worn in many different situations. And the history of sweatpants, they were introduced in the 1920s by Emile Camusset. He was the founder of Lecoq Sportif. And they were uh, originally designed for athletes to stretch and run comfortably. So rather than wearing the pants designed for athletes to stretch and run comfortably, I have six pairs of the pants designed for minors. <laughs> and that doesn't seem right to me. It's not right. It's uh, Yeah, no, we... Uh... We're off the map as All right, I'm going to be honest here. I thought this sweatpants conversation was going to be a lot more interesting than it's turned out to be. So I apologize to the people who have joined us for the first time here on the Bad Podcast. Let's get to football. I've, I've driven the sweatpants conversation into the ground. I apologize. I think, I think it's important to know. You should know where your pants come from. <laughs> I feel like it is a public service on some degree. I Like we could start a movement. What, what you should do is start the movement. Like we've talked about it. I think now we need to do something where I can go to a wedding wearing sweatpants this weekend. That right. would make my day go from like awesome to maybe something I'll never forget. What if we <laughs> wore sweatpants like on Monday the next time we go to an Urban Meyer news conference the three of us wore sweatpants? The last time mm-hmm. I was underdressed for something professionally, you almost <laughs> ripped my face off. So why don't we just back <laughs> – why don't we just uh, pump the brakes on that one? Okay. Uh, Ohio State plays Northern Illinois. 
on a Saturday. Actually, Ari will not be there, as we've talked about. He'll be attending his friend's wedding, which is fine because we are in the midst of the Ohio State schedule where Ohio State beats teams by a lot. And that will be the story of this game. We will have stories this week talking about the fact that Northern Illinois is a competent team. But that's enough talk about Northern (laughs) Illinois. Carlos Hyde went a little crazy for the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. And it brought up the idea of Ohio State in the NFL. And I have written in the past that Ohio State, for as good as Ohio State has been, and they clearly have been the dominant program in the Big Ten, They do not have the equivalent success in the NFL, at least when it comes to elite superstars. When you think that Purdue has Drew Brees in the NFL, Mm -hmm. and Michigan has Tom Brady in the NFL, and Charles Woodson in the NFL, and Wisconsin has the best player in the NFL in J.J. Watt, and maybe the best quarterback, even though he was only there for a year, in Russell Wilson... And you think, who is the best Ohio State NFL player? And they have good players. They have Nick Mangold, who's a very good center. Santonio Holmes, when he was in the league, caught the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl. A.J. Hawk had a productive career. But they don't have J.J. Watt. They don't have Tom Brady. Are we maybe with this crop of Ohio State guys that we have in Columbus now going to start to see some of this and maybe very soon? Bill, you've written about this. What are we talking about in terms of NFL potential, I guess first in the draft at least, when it comes to this Ohio State roster? Yeah, I think I wrote, um, I think it was right after the, this past draft in May about how 2016 can be historic for Ohio State in the sense that there's probably, I think you can safely assume there's probably 13 or 14 guys who, who are going to be drafted. Um, if not this year, then certainly next year, depending on which juniors decide they want to come out. Um, but I think you could even expand that number to maybe 17 if you wanted to get, I, I don't know. If you did every single guy yeah, who could, if right? you did every single guy who, who is eligible to leave and, and could get a look from NFL teams. So the number's really high, and then if you look at the first round, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I know there's some mock drafts that have Ohio State, I think, with, with seven guys going in the first round, which would be a record uh, that Miami has the record with six right now in, in 2004. Um, but there's definitely, I think, at least five guys who are, who are surefire locks to be first-round draft picks uh, next May or April, whenever the NFL draft starts this year. So it could be uh, pretty pretty historic. And I don't, we don't mean to get way ahead because there's obviously a whole season left to play. But no, 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 no. It's exciting we, to look we, ahead to, to the NFL draft and think like... We do mean to get way ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we, mean we, to get, we, we absolutely mean to yeah. get way ahead. We, 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 we refuse to be bogged down by... A September and October built around talking about Ohio State playing Illinois and Rutgers and Western That's history. true. Yeah. So we are getting way ahead. All right, let's see if you can name them all. Bill's the draft expert because oh, he wrote yeah. about it. Can't name who them. are the Ohio State guys who are going to be drafted oh, in the first round? I thought you were going to start quizzing me on some other teams. No, I, I thought no. we were going Miami. I was like, what do you name them all? <laughs> um, who are going to be drafted eventually? The first round. The first round picks in the 2016 NFL draft from Ohio State will be Joey Bosa. Taylor Decker, Darren Lee. Got some dead air here. Wow. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. It's like I'm forgetting for a second. Uh, Michael Thomas, um, Ezekiel Elliott, um, Cardale Jones. There you go. Um, well, how many did I just name? Six? That's six. That's six. And then is is like Von Bell a maybe? Yeah, I think Von Bell is, is, is on. I think Von Bell and 
Michael Thomas are the two guys who are like on the maybe fringe for who would take it from five to six or seven. Yeah. Who did I forget then? No, I think you got everybody. I no. think the surefire guys, and and the one question is if is if Darren Lee comes out, which right. I think is some question, just because he redshirted, he could come out as a redshirt sophomore, and I think if he does, people certainly project him as a first. I think rounder. if Ohio State wins a national title this year, that that could really change it. I think that what happens on the field here could really not just for Darren Lee, for a lot of the other younger guys who might be. I mean, they've already got one, and I think if you get one in college, that's usually enough. Yeah, but. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that if they won again this year, that anybody would feel the need to come back if they were going to be a first-round pick. It's one of those things. I think no one should ever feel the need to come back if you're going to be a first-round pick in any yeah. sport. I think you have to do what's best for you, and what's best for you if you're a first-round pick is go get money rather than risk getting hurt or risk sliding back and people picking you apart. Um, I think a lot of time the issue for guys is are guys in your class, in your recruiting class, leaving? And it doesn't matter, you know, who cares if you redshirted or not. It's the guys you came in with. So if a lot of those 2013 guys like Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa and Vaughn Bell are leaving, then I think that could factor into Darren Lee's decision. But I think there's also a thing to come back. If you're going to come back and you can be a leader, you can be a captain, you can be the face of the team because so many other guys left, that's the other side of that. And you're from Columbus and your mom's on TV here. and. I don't know. Darren Lee just has the personality slash background of. If like, I'm not saying he's going to come back, but if he did, I don't think either of us, any of us would be surprised. Right. So he's also only been playing the position he's going to get drafted at for three years. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah. And only has one full year of experience to this point. Now he's been great. He's been fast. And he's athletic. But to you know, to go from the quarterback of New Albany High School <laughs> to an NFL linebacker in less than four years would be. Amazing, and the thing that I but he's already done a lot of amazing right. things. I always wonder because I think that, that that stuff gets thrown out a lot, like the first round draft pick thing. It's like okay, somebody's really good. That doesn't mean you're a first round draft pick. And sometimes I think when names start appearing on this board, I think there's a difference between everybody saying future first round draft pick Darren Lee and him actually being picked in the first round. Well, the the thing is, is listen. Last year, going into the 2014 season, I was running around saying, why are people thinking this team is going to be awesome? They have some huge holes to fill. There are certainly questions on this team. Now, they're certainly going to be good, but I thought replacing Carlos Hyde and Ryan Shazier was not something that you just snap your finger and do, no matter how much talent you have. And it turns out that Ohio State snapped their fingers and said, we have Ezekiel Elliott and Darren Lee, and they are they absolutely filled those roles. So when you see that Ryan Chazier was the 15th pick in the draft, you walk, Ryan Chazier was unbelievable. I was going to say. Like, He's unbelievable. Darren Lee does many of the same things that Ryan Chazier did in terms of instinct, blitzing ability, coverage ability, speed, smarts, understanding the game. All those things... Tell you what, man, there's not a lot that Ryan Shazier did that Darren Lee can't do. No, you're right. It, it's uh, And that's kind of what we're going to be getting at here, I think. So um, who, who – we know that there are great possibilities ahead with these Ohio State guys in the NFL. Who will be the best, do you think? And what we're talking about now is back to what we said before. Michigan has Tom Brady. Wisconsin has J.J. Watt. Who is the guy on Ohio State's roster that two, three, four years from now we could be saying he's not just good. 
he's one of the best players in the NFL. And when you think Ohio State football at the highest level, you think of this guy. Okay, I'm going to steal your pick. Steal I mean, it. I mean, because like I have been high on Michael Thomas from the beginning. Ever since he made that catch in the back of the end zone at Maryland last year, I've thought this is a guy who looks like an NFL guy. He plays like an NFL guy. He makes one-handed, one-foot-down, two-feet-down catches when he doesn't need to. And he's got that, I think that bloodline thing is kind of you know overrated. But this is Keyshawn Johnson Jr. we're talking about. And I think at the point... Now, we're actually not talking yeah. about that because there actually is a Keyshawn Johnson <laughs> yeah. Jr. Who Ohio State's recruiting, by the way. <laughs> not to confuse <laughs> the issue. He is Keyshawn Johnson's nephew, as you have written yeah. many times. Uh, but, um, and Keyshawn, I think at the point when he was with the Bucks there in the middle of his career, was considered one of the best players in the NFL. He was the first pick in the NFL draft. So, uh, he, he's the Trojan. Um, but, I don't know. I think that, and it's kind of like... Reminds me a little bit about why I think D'Angelo Russell, not to change sports, is going to be good, but I feel like there's a certain type of feel and look you get when you see a guy. And it's funny because Joey Bosa is J.J. Watt in a lot of people's minds, and he might be the first overall pick in this year's draft. And I think it just boggles my mind when you list the seven or eight guys that might be first-round draft picks that Mike Thomas is kind of the last afterthought, the last person who barely squeaks into the conversation. I think he's got the body. I think he walks around Ohio State like he's already in the NFL. He's going to get bigger. He's faster. He, I just think that like he might not get the opportunities because Ohio State's got so many people who need to touch the ball. But I think when it comes down to it, he could be somebody who gets taken in the late first round, middle second round, but then turn out to be one of the best receivers in the league. And I'll jump in before Bill talks as the draft expert. The thing that I think <laughs> is interesting about Michael Thomas is I think he is a combination of spectacular and – Whatever that very consistent, like he's a good route runner. He has great hands. Like he does all the basics right. And then, by the way, he can jump up, run past a guy, and make a one-handed catch. But I think he he shows the skills to be a number one NFL receiver that is the guy that you can throw to on third and six, but also is the guy that can beat you down the field, which I think is the thing that sometimes is hard to do. For instance, Ted Ginn Jr. was a spectacular receiver at Ohio State. I'm not sure I ever thought that Ted Ginn Jr. would be a number one receiver who's the guy that you're going to throw to on third and six. He's your game breaker. He's your deep threat. He's your unbelievable speed. I didn't know if he had that whole package, and Ted Ginn was a top ten pick. I think Michael Thomas has the, the skills to have the, the whole package. Yeah, and not to stay on Thomas, but just one more thing. Dane Brugler, our, our draft guy, who we've talked to a lot for stories you're right on Cleveland.com, uh, he said this is a good year for Michael Thomas because there's not, you know, Calvin Johnson's not in this draft. Amari Cooper's not in this draft. Michael Thomas can play his way into being the first receiver selected in this draft next spring, which I know doesn't really – guarantee anything in terms of longevity and success, but we were talking about guys who were going to get drafted in the first round. He can play himself into the middle of the draft simply because there's not it's – a, it's a position of need for every team in the NFL, and there's not a lot of stars there. You know, I sometimes wonder what the correlation between stats and draft positioning are. Because I think it's minimal often. So to me, that is a good – that's a good omen for him. Um, I don't know. I look at last year's catch in the Alabama game. And, of course, I don't think Spencer could have made that throw if he threw it 100 (laughs) more times. It was the most perfect throw I've ever seen. Dan Marino was like, what was that? But um, that catch that Thomas made, I'm not sure anybody else on Ohio State could have made. I I don't remember, though, if he got two feet down. 
Did he get two feet down? I think Michael Thomas would know that he didn't need to get two feet down, but if he was I don't in know the league, he, he would have gotten two because he needed to. Right. Yeah. No, I just – that was an NFL catch, and I don't think Ted Ginn Jr. could have made that catch in a college. And like that, I I'm not know. sure Devin Smith could have made that catch, and Devin Smith was a guy who was taken in the middle yeah. of the second round and was talked about as potential first round. Like that was an NFL – that was like an NFL catch. In term, yeah, in terms of like – because we saw Devin Smith do it, and that was his thing, like adjusting to the ball in the air. But in terms of an Ohio State receiver having to adjust to a ball – where his back was turned, or he's fall in the air, and he's defended well. It's not even close. That's and, that. and, and again, it's not to say that Ted Ginn Jr. and and Devin Smith and Santonio Holmes and Anthony Gonzalez and Brian Robisky and Brian Hartline, we have seen um, receivers come through Ohio State who have been very good college players and been very high NFL draft picks. I think it's just we're saying Michael Thomas is a guy to not sleep on when it comes to NFL and potential. He is like number eight on number seven on Ohio State's list right yeah. now, which is crazy. And and, and I think the thing – what's going to be happening, and Bill, you can drop this stat, this stat on the fans, that Miami team mm-hmm. that has the record for the most first-round draft picks with six, that was not a, a blip. That no. was a trend, and I think you can see Ohio State's NFL talents trending up. Now – Part of it is there were some really good players at the end of the Jim Trestle era that when you see Carlos Hyde and his NFL potential, you see Ryan Shazier and his NFL potential. Um, you know, those, are, those aren't Urban Meyer recruits. Those are Jim Trestle recruits. So there's some guys who are young now who have a shot, and I think you can start to see this maybe start to build a little bit um, the way that Miami built it. Yeah, Miami. So the, the 2004 draft, there were six guys, and that was like really the third year of of the run that Miami had in the draft because people say that that 2002 team that Ohio State beat that four year era or whatever might have been one of the best teams ever because they had 19 guys drafted in the first round in four years. Well, I think it was the 2001 team. The 2001 the team. Ever. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But that that program had 19 players drafted in four years in the first round. In the first round. In the first round of the draft. And a lot of them, like you said, overlapped on multiple teams. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. What, that's what made it good because a lot of the people who left. There were a few very good. I mean, you have to look it up. It's been 15 years now, but there were a lot of people on the 2001 team, on the team that Miami won a national championship with, who left. Like Clinton Portis was on the 2001 team, and they won a national championship. And the team Ohio State beat in 02 was a very good team, but there were still a lot of players that left the 01 team that weren't on that team in 02. And it was just the beginning of what could have been a, one of the most, you know, impressive four-year runs of NFL production that the college football has ever seen. But which which leads to the point for Ohio State of a guy like Clinton Portis leaves Miami, and then Willis McGahee is in. waiting to come yeah. right in, and that is something that Ohio State is going to be facing now. Again, well, it's, sorry, but Jeremy Shockey and then Kellen Winslow. Like, there's a lot of that's the whole that's yeah. the point, right? I mean, right. that's you can't. Just do it with one group of guys if you are going to be a Buck Dynasty. As we wrote about in the preseason, you can find that at cleveland.com backslash OSU. As Ohio State sends this NFL talent along, they have to replenish it. And and I do we really think that every single guy who could possibly leave is going to leave and they're going to have 17 guys drafted in 2016? No, we don't really think that. But th- this is going to be a talent departure. So this will be, a year from now, just a completely different team. And if we made a lot of comparisons, and we'll continue to make a lot of comparisons between Ohio State and the, the Alabama teams, 
that won three out of four national championships. But in terms of NFL talent and replenishing elite talent, what Miami did in that era is is something that that's what Ohio State maybe has a chance to do. It's going to be so interesting because it's going to be the guys behind this 2013 recruiting class who are going to have to be just as good for Ohio State to maintain this. And I think, like, it's funny that there's a distinction between the Alabama teams who won three out of four. And I'm not an expert on how many people they had that went to the pros, but I'm sure it was a good number. But when you look at the 01 Miami team, the 02 team, the 02 team for Miami lost to Ohio State's 02 team. And didn't they have like nine players drafted off that team? That, that Ohio State team um, in the 2004 draft, which was after the 03 season, but was the heart of that 2002 of that team. team. Yeah. They had 14 players drafted in 04, which is, the, which so, is record-breaking yes. um, in terms of overall. Now, they weren't as many first-round picks, but obviously the there talent. was a... As yeah, much as yeah. there was Miami talent, Ohio State, the underdog in that game, had an absolute depth of talent. So as that's well. what it takes. So it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Ohio State builds NFL talent because I don't think there's any question. And it always starts with the same thing in my mind recruiting. As long as Ohio State's bringing in top five classes every year, that means they're bringing in the best players. And if they coach them and people progress the way they're supposed to progress, Ohio State expects that every single time uh, Doran Grant leaves, that Gary on Conley steps up and becomes because now Gary on Conley with a great year wasn't Eli Apple like supposedly like I, I don't know were people talking about him as a potential NFL draft pick not a first rounder but somebody too that like has emerged as I mean he one could, of the up and coming guys if he has another good year he could leave he's it's eligible like, to leave which is the yeah. case with a lot of guys is that they're eligible to leave and is it depending out of, on how they play this year and is it out of the realm of possibility that Eli Apple has five picks this year plays really well and is a third round pick no like no. you never know like. So, like, and it's, like, happening at everywhere. The most interesting thing, and I think we can talk about this some other time, but, like, the quarterbacks are always, because, like, Ken Dorsey got drafted, but he wasn't. Well, that's I mean, like the whole Joe thing. Montana, I mean, like, like we, we've talked about this so much with the quarterbacks is there certainly is a line of thinking that maybe JT Barrett fits this system, fits this college game, fits being a point guard better, but Cardale Jones is the better NFL prospect. I would I don't think anybody, I think you could dispute who's better, for Ohio State right now, and obviously Urban Meyer would dispute it because he made Cardale Jones a starter. I don't think anyone would dispute Cardale Jones is the better NFL prospect. I am fascinated by what JT Barrett will be like as an NFL prospect and an NFL player because my instinct is to think that he's more suited for the college game because he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not small. They talked about when he got here and needed to improve his arm strength, all this other stuff. I think there's also a possibility that he's Russell Wilson. Or he's Alex Smith. And Alex, or he's Ken Dorsey. But, I mean, so, so which is, well, Alex <laughs> Smith was the number one pick who never quite panned out as that, but, by the way, is one of 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, yeah. which is a pretty good career. Ken Dorsey never quite did it. Russell Wilson, Super Bowl champion. There's a spectrum there. Like, yeah. is there, if I said JT Barrett will be Russell Wilson, does that sound impossible no. to you guys? No, not at all. I, I mean, if anything, I don't. I don't have the same love affair with Russell Wilson that everybody else has, and I don't want to get into like which NFL players I like and stuff like that. But no, it's not crazy to me to think that JT Barrett could be Russell. Wilson. I feel I like think JT Barrett could be better than Russell. I Wilson. think Russell Wilson is in the NFL what JT Barrett was to Ohio State last year, and everybody in the NFL loves that, right? Leader, distributor. Yeah. 
like mobile enough to run, but not a crazy run first guy like Johnny Manziel or Robert Griffin. That you can, this guy's that, not Peyton Manning that, back there. Like he's serving a purpose and he's playing that purpose well. Like it, Russell Wilson checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. I think of what NFL teams are looking for. Now, if you're looking for Ben Roethlisberger, then you have Cardale Jones. Right. And I know he's not Ben Roethlisberger, and Bill was going to interject and say he's not Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> yeah. because here we are sitting and talking about the two Ohio State quarterbacks <laughs> and comparing them to Ben Roethlisberger, who has how many rings, and Russell Wilson, who has how many rings. So let's not do that too much. But I think it's the, the kind of guys we're talking about. Again, it's just it's, I think it's fun to look at these guys and project sometimes, because I think the point of this is there is a lot of talent here. I think the one thing that I want to interject and say while we're like hitting it, because I think that was a pretty solid podcasting right there, was I think that we are going to be writing about this on cleveland.com slash OSU. We want you, part of the reason why we want to like express ourselves and have these conversations is because we want you to read what we're writing. And we're going to get to what Urban Meyer, and I talked to him about this in Geneva, Ohio, at a camp here a few months ago, is the exodus of players Ohio State will have, and that is his quote, exodus which we will be using soon, and how Ohio State is going to sustain the idea that they could lose 12 to 14 guys off this roster next year. And will they be a national championship team next year from an NFL talent standpoint by replacing what they have? And I think that's the whole point of what we're talking about here. I want to go back just before we wrap up, because you asked Ari who he thought was going to be the best pro, but you never said, is, is your guy Michael Thomas? My guy is probably Michael Thomas. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by things like the fact that Jack Muhort was a left tackle at Ohio State, was a second-round pick, started as a rookie, and I think you'll find people who will say that Taylor Decker is better than Jack Muhort. Mm-hmm. So then if that's the – okay, what's Jack Muhort? A second-round pick who started this first year. Okay, well then what's Taylor Decker going to be? I think he's very interesting. If I'm comparing Darren Lee to Ryan Shazier, people think Ryan Shazier is one of the best young, exciting defenders in the NFL. That is very interesting to me. And I will tell you – I am wrong so much that it makes me want to leave the business sometimes. I hope you don't I, steal I, my thunder I here. Don't, I don't understand it, but I am intrigued by Cardale Jones in the okay. NFL, man. I tell you, I am intrigued by Cardale Jones because when he runs, he trucks people. He has a huge arm. And I think, I think he might have the exact right attitude of like, I don't think anything in the NFL is going to scare him. And if he, yeah. you know, like, I, I am intrigued. I will be very interested to follow Cardale Jones' path the in the NFL. The thing that I think is, like, the number one thing, like, if I, they say sometimes when you die, you know, some people think that you black out and then God answers all the questions that you have. One of the questions I have is, what would have happened if Tom Brady got drafted by the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't just mean wow. that. But, like, I think that when it comes to the quarterback, so much of it depends on the situation you get put in. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if Tim Couch was drafted by the Patriots, would he be in the Hall of Fame right now? And, like, I don't know. Is there such thing as ruining a quarterback? That's another discussion for another day. But sometimes I wonder, when you talk about quarterbacks and what we find from Cardale Jones and the pros, Doug, I think it'll matter where he falls and which situation he ends up. Because, to be honest, if he goes to the Cleveland Browns, or he goes to a situation that's as dysfunctional as that franchise has been. It just like seems like that's a bigger roadblock for somebody to be successful in. And again, I kind of went off topic there, but that is what I would like to know <laughs> more than anything. Your list of questions. What, what was I? What, what was I not going to steal your thunder on? Oh, so it just in, in terms of saying who which Ohio State player is going to be the best pro, I think probably I would say Michael Thomas is going to be the best, but like a weird one who I think might end up 
like potentially being an NFL star is Joshua Perry. Because I think he's good enough, and if he switches positions to defensive end, which is something people are talking about, not for Ohio State this year, but in the NFL, if he's good, he has the personality and sort of the presence and social awareness thing about him that I think he could be a star in the NFL. What's the comparison, do you think? Is there a comparison out there? Because he's a little bigger, right? And and by the way, we have not really mentioned Joey Bosa very much, and Joey Bosa might be the number one pick in the draft. And also we didn't mention Ezekiel Elliott very much, and he's going to be the first running back taken in the draft. So we're not saying they're not going to be good, but those are a little bit, I think, obvious too. But so who, who, I don't know, like like what is like a bigger defensive end? Like a 3-4... Stand up, rush end that like maybe gets taken off the field when you have to play pass coverage. But okay. if he stands up on the outside, like what are you talking about? I'm not going to compare him to Terrell Suggs because Terrell Suggs is incredible. But like that style of player. Okay. I mean, like the thing about it is, is that like the thing with Joshua Perry. And I don't know if it's just me. I don't think he's exciting to watch as much. I think he's kind of a consistent guy who always gets the job done. And, like, when I think of a guy like Terrell, and that's great. You need guys like that on on your team. And, like, he's the leading tackler last year. He's the glue of the defense. He doesn't make mistakes. and But he's not Terrell Suggs at ASU. Like, I mean, I sometimes like, I, I think back at, like, some of these guys who turn out to be some of the biggest defensive playmakers, especially at end. And, like, it's like I don't really think, like, the sack king guys come out mm-hmm. of nowhere. So I kind of disagree a little bit. That's Sorry, Landis. I okay. you, buddy. I just like being weird. It, it, it is it is interesting, though. I mean, I, I, that was the first time we mentioned Joshua Perry's name. He's an actual senior on this team. We know he's leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to get drafted. Right. But, I mean, you know, there there would have been years. And this is, again, even well, this is my 11th year covering Ohio State. This is Ohio State teams that were winning the Big Ten every year. I think there were years when Joshua Perry would have been like, oh, you're talking about Joshua Perry. He's one of the top guys for the draft. And it's like there's so, there's so many potential NFL well, guys here, guys like that. Aren't at the top of the list. Who's the biggest sleeper that left Ohio State on your time on the beat that like kind of was like, well, I don't know about him, and then turned out to be really good? Brian Hartline. I think Brian Hartline. A lot of people he were left surprised early. that he left early. He was a fourth-round pick. I think he surprised people a little bit being a fourth-round pick. And then he turns out to be a guy who is an absolute productive NFL receiver getting million-dollar contracts. Um, I thought I was and, throwing you up a softball for Corey Lindsley there. Well, Corey Lin- I mean, the fact that um, – and I've told Corey Lindsley this story that I had a moment where I thought I looked at Corey Lindsley one day and thought, that guy is never going to make it. And he snapped to Aaron Rodgers <laughs> as a rookie center in the NFL is dumbfounding to me. And, uh, you know, it just, it's just, it's hard to tell sometimes. But it's, we get trapped in our bubble here where everything we, we watch with Ohio State is A, comparing it against itself. Or be compared against typically week to week, and which is why we're talking about this now and not Northern Illinois. Week to week, it's compared to such a lower level of competition that if Corey Lindsley blocks the guy across from him, you think, well, of course he blocked the guy across from him. He's from a MAC team. He's from Rutgers. He's from Illinois. You know, and sometimes it's hard to get a read on how good these guys actually are. But as you see this group of players. Hyde, Shazier, Lindsley, Muhort, uh, Philly Brown, Andrew Norwell. We'll see what Jeff Hyreman does in Denver when he's healthy. Bradley Roby, who's playing, you know, as you see these guys, it's a reminder of, well, yeah, they dominated the MAC, but they also, against the elite, they were pretty good too. So, well, we saw Ohio State this year for the first time in a long time too. The guys we're talking about, and this isn't something that happened 
for a while, like since the O2 Miami game, where Ohio State went up against the most elite programs in the country and beat them up pretty good too. Like we saw Ohio State's NFL talent that's leading this year go against Alabama and physically outdo them for four quarters. Yeah, and you wrote about that going into that game of that Alabama has more five stars, but then when they hit the field, yeah, it, it just was like, to see to see it get happen up like the. Ohio State, 90% of the time, if the percentage isn't higher, 95, the team that they're playing, they've got more talent. Than. And for the first time on my time on the beat, and maybe the first time since Trussell won a national championship, or ever, Ohio State systematically beats somebody who on paper was supposed to be more talented. All right, that's the, bod- the bad podcast, the bod podcast. Bod- let's, <laughs> let's not go down that road. It's dog. definitely not the bod <laughs> podcast, that is for sure. Um, Thanks for joining us this week. You can read all of our coverage at cleveland.com slash OSU. You can find us in the Cleveland Plain Dealer if you like buying a paper. Uh, we are on Twitter. Uh, we are everywhere. And now we're on SoundCloud because Bill understands the internet. So for Ari Wasserman, for Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for listening to the Bad Podcast. <laughs>